0: Welcome to Vet Voices, a podcast produced by Warner Enterprises, where average is for other people. Army, Marines, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, let your voice be heard on Warner's Veteran Podcast. Now buckle up and get ready for the host of Vet Voices, Greg, Johnny, and Adam.
1: You are rolling. All right. In the studio with us today, we have Mike Poole, Director of Cybersecurity an Air Force Veteran, and Andrew Taylor, Director of Intermodal uh, an Army Veteran. All right, gentlemen, uh, let's just start off. Do you guys want to quickly introduce yourselves, how long you've been at the company, uh, and then what you did in your respective military careers? Sure. I guess I can go first. Um so been at
0: Warner for four months now. Uh, I was in the Army for five years as a 19 Delta Cavalry Scout. Uh, Mac duty, I was in uh, the 101st and uh, fir- first armored in uh, El Paso. Um, one deployment to Afghanistan, um, and yeah, now I'm at Warner.
1: Where at in Afghanistan?
0: Um, so I was right south of the KG Pass. OK. So northeast.
1: Fun times. How long were you there? Uh, nine months. <laughs> That's an Army thing. Yeah, I was five-ish months in Kandahar on my most recent one. So, okay. Mike?
2: Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm Mike Poole. I'm the uh, cybersecurity director here at Warner. I was in the Air Force for a total of 22 years, four years, enlisted way back in 94 through 98. Got out, worked for Mitel Networks for a while, and then my wife and I both went back in. Uh, I commissioned as a communications officer, later changed into a cyber operations officer. It's kind of an overnight uh, flip, but nevertheless, uh, we really did start moving towards that cybersecurity posture versus uh, communications officer. Um, absolutely enjoyed my time in the Air Force. I did deploy a couple of times, Air Force style. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although one of those was to Afghanistan to Bagram, that was a, a seven-month-er. Uh, that, that spot is, harsh as one could be <laughs> for the Air Force, right? <laughs> uh, now, the other one was in uh, United Arab Emirates. That was for a year long. That was, uh, that was a really cool assignment in the sense that we got to see local culture and, uh, and see what they, they consider westernized. Uh, a little bit different than what we consider westernized, but uh, nevertheless, great experiences throughout my Air Force career. I absolutely loved it. And I now uh, obviously work at Warner, started here back in June. Uh, loving my time.
1: What did you do on the enlisted side?
2: I was a uh, maintainer. Okay. So Four? It was uh, F-16s, but uh, the first stint at Shaw was for the A-10s. Okay. And awesome. And so paid penny pod. It's on yeah. the front of the a ten. Does target. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. That was our baby. We okay. brought it back. Uh, I did a lot of uh, gimbal adjustments, uh, you know, polishing that dome to make sure the laser signal mm-hmm. get through. That's probably one of the coolest aircraft in the entire Air Force arsenal built around a 30-millimeter Gatling gun yep. uh, for close air support. I'm not sure that there's anything better besides maybe the C-130 gunship.
1: Yeah, there's. I mean, A-10's hard to beat just because it's custom-built, right? The yeah. gunship for the 130 was an afterthought of, oh, hey, look, this is a cool thing we can do. Yeah. The I was a maintenance guy on the A-10 as well for four years down at Whiteman. And oh, that's yeah. a mission that is truly unique. Those are some serious birds that yeah. do some cool things. And then 16 experience, uh, my... <laughs> I was on a trip with the A-10, and there was a knucklehead airman that drove a 16 into a hangar door. They didn't bother to put the hangar door all the way up. Oops. Yep, and it took all the sheet metal off of the tail, uh, which was an awesome repair because we were not where we were based at. So I think that jet sat there for six months while they worked on getting that tail put back together. Mm. Fun times. Yep, indeed. Andrew, you want to talk about your path a little bit to Warner? Sure. So... Uh, did the army for five years enlisted Uh, i'd gone to college
0: before that i really didn't know what i wanted to do my life i just kind of bounced around you know kind of found the family and the discipline in the army um got out went back to school kind of whipped myself into shape um and graduated within nine months um this semester and a half so from there just kind of fell into logistics i did a supply chain management you know sounded cool at the time i heard made a lot of money um just kind of fell into it did the shipper side first um then got the trucking side and this opportunity came along for warner and uh you know all i kept hearing about was the family how long people have been here um you know everyone i interviewed had been here 15 20 years and that's just kind of the the environment i want to be in um so
1: we just had a celebration speaking of that point exactly we just had a celebration for um an associate that's on our team who's been here 25 years and I, you walk into that room wanting to congratulate them for doing something that nobody else has done, and there was a guy that's been there for 36 years and another person that's been there for 37 years. It's like, yeah. okay, so this is not normal anywhere else in the world, but here at Warner, that's actually, its, it's I don't want to say it's common, but it's its commonplace for that to happen, which is pretty cool. Yeah,
3: it's oh all yeah. over this building. I mean, It is. Longevity of career. As long as you demonstrate excellence and bring 100% of yourself every single day to work, this place is, you know, you can be here a lifetime. Mike,
1: what about you? How'd you land here?
2: Yeah, I, I, I love it. Uh, it's challenging here. It's fast-paced. Uh, that's what we're used to in the military, always moving. You know, just keep going, uh, keep solving problems in uh, high-pressure situations. It's just fun. It's exhilarating.
1: <laughs> fun, yeah, fun is certainly one word. On certain days for it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Director of Cybersecurity, you're the one that sends us all phishing emails, right? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. actually, a guy on my, my team, Ted, he's uh, he's our No Before contact. Okay. And uh, No Before it's a fantastic organization, how they approach these things. They're doing things that I wish we could have done in the Air Force, that we were always told, no, you can't do that because you might impact a mission. I'm thinking, but that is the best way to test, mm-hmm. send this stuff out, and people will click on it, and then they'll discover, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And then pretty soon they start learning it because I'll have that that impulse of, "Ooh, I don't know if I want to touch that. That's exactly what we're looking for. Yeah, we love it. That, you
3: totally, totally got me. I will admit <laughs> that I fell victim. So right after we rolled into Workday, we just moved into Workday and AP, and I got a simulated fish attack around some type of invoice, some type of something, and I was totally, I mean, after I went back and reviewed it, like seven times, I thought to myself, "Well, that was dumb." But in the, in the heat of the moment, <laughs> with all the crap going on with, you know, the changeover and all the stuff we were getting about, you know, moving AP stuff into Workday, it totally got me, and I clicked on it, and then I got the mandatory two class yep. punishment. So my entire team
1: got an email from me offering to sell them Taylor Swift tickets for four five hundred dollars from my personal Venmo account. Like it was fairly epic. <laughs> and I got like the the moment yeah. it went out I had two or three of them immediately text me. And then yeah, it just it, excellent work, I guess, yeah. is my point there. Yeah. So funny. Funny, funny,
3: funny. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, for uh just a quick question here. What does it mean? know to be part of this organization this organization likes to think we call ourselves military ready so how does this you know military ready how does that work out you know, with your recruitment process coming to Werner how does it work out with the onboarding and the employee support that you've felt thus far
0: I think the biggest thing for me is you know when I was interviewing when I first got out it's you know I was in combat arms there's no job other than being a cop or like a SWAT officer that says what you did there you can do here um, you've got to kind of tailor that into the civilian world. And some employers are are scared to hire you. Um, just that big stigma overall. Um, so we're, I mean, there's such a large population here, um, so many groups, so many events. Um, it just feels like a welcoming place, and it's it's nice to know that we're one, one of the largest in the country.
3: Thank you. Yeah. Have you joined WeVets yet? I have. All right excellent i think he was our first
1: highlight i had no idea he was a veteran until angel <laughs> put that uh, stuff together oh, i think excellent. he was the first uh workplace um highlight that we started doing six weeks ago or whatever that was so yeah, kud- first, kudos. Victim. yeah first victim <laughs> absolutely
2: yeah i have to say the uh the, the military aspect of it you know it's similar to, to yours even though i'm in cybersecurity, security you would think that'd be very translatable into anything else it's uh it's not in the sense that we're used to calling certain things this way we don't really hang our hat on this is our ability to do this Uh, a lot of times we don't approach it the same way and so trying to write a resume that says hey i can do these things based on this experience it didn't necessarily come across and that's really why i needed that networking piece say somebody else hey he knows what he's doing and this is exactly what he's been doing the whole time It just didn't come across that way in the resume no matter how hard i tried to do that that was that was tough. And uh, once I once I got in the door here, I said, OK, yeah, we can see that.
3: Yeah, totally. What uh, did you guys both go through the uh, the tap classes or equivalency thereof in Air Force? Did you yeah. per, you know, when you were transitioning out, did you go through those that same process? Yeah, I got in 15. Um,
0: I think there was a week or two week process that kind of helped you the resume. Um,
3: kind of talk about what you're going to do next. But yeah, did you have any exposure to Warner during that period? You did? I did, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? That's something that we are really kind of, uh, you know, we pride ourselves on doing what we do today. I would like to see that get a little bit better as we continue to market towards veterans to come into this organization.
2: Yeah, sure. So, yeah, the Transition Assistance Program, it's now mandatory two years out from when you're potentially going to separate and to retire. You, you have to say, yep, I'm either going to do it or no, I'm not ready to yet, and then they delay you until you get there. But bottom line, there's a whole lot of work to do in the, in the meantime. Um, now, there's there's a way to get through some of those steps quick by saying, hey, I already have this, I already have that, and I'm prepared for this. But it's that last chunk, and that's where you know the Werner rep came out along with three other business folks come out to the base and say, hey, this is what we have out here in the market. Have you ever considered this kind of thing? And honestly, I remember thinking at the time, you know, when I was a kid, I really wanted to drive a truck. I'm just not sure that that's in the cards anymore for me. <laughs> We can that was that my first today. <laughs> yeah. We was, can still do that. My first, you know, and I just told my wife this week, and I said, you know, I said, they, they'll they give me a CDO license. I can go to class and learn how to drive a truck. She said, why? I said, look at all these grain trucks out in the country here. When I retire the third time, <laughs> I said, I can go drive a grain truck in the summer or the fall, you know, whenever. I said, that'd be kind of cool, you know, and then I get to live that dream, too. But, uh, yeah, that was my first introduction. Uh i wish i could remember the gentleman's name i actually saw him in the cafeteria or the dining facility here whatever we want to call it, the cafe here we go see the military thing dining facility (laughs) anyway you know i i went up and talked to him i said hey yes i remember seeing you at the tap class and uh and i remember talking to you initially i said hey i'd love to get involved with that you know and then and then go out and talk to some of these air force folks who We haven't really considered that Werner is more than a trucking company. There's a whole lot of stuff outside of just driving the truck. Granted, that's a center point. But man, in order to do that, you've got to do a lot of other stuff. It's kinda like how, you know, the Air Force has to support everything the army does, right? (laughs) Close air support. Yeah, you you gotta take
3: us everywhere. I know. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you so much. For Here's the your box f- meal. Thank you for kicking <laughs> me out of the airplane in mid-flight. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. For the record, dining facility is a place where we get to go eat dinner and breakfast and lunch. I don't know what you guys got when you were in yeah, the not Army. Yeah, not that. Yeah.
2: You know, I will say, is that little segue on that one. When I was in Aldafra, the best place to eat lunch was called Wendy's. And at the time when my sponsor said, hey, we got this Wendy's, I thought he said Wendy's. And I'm thinking, gosh, we got a Wendy's on base? It was a Wendy's, and it was an Army facto, and they had the very best lunches anywhere. They still cooked all their food <laughs> while the Air Force. We contracted it out, and it was just not as good.
1: Uh, yeah. I second that. My my favorite chow I've had was my Iraq trip was a Army flight kitchen. Yep. And They had a whole bunch of special regs because it was a flight kitchen supporting helicopter pilots, so they got to do things that other dining facilities didn't get to do. So they had awesome chow, uh, 24-7. And uh, we went and ate there because we were on the airfield. So I don't want to give the Army any credit where it's not due. However, <laughs> I will I will agree yeah. with that one sentiment. Yep. So w- we sort of covered on some of this, Mike, uh, as you were talking. But, I mean, critical uh, cybersecurity is a critical field in the yeah. military and here at Warner, right? I don't think people realize how much, <laughs> if you are connected to the Internet at all, much we are under attack uh, oh yeah, from any number of uh, players um, how have you leveraged your Air Force skills uh, and training uh, here at the company you want to talk to us a, a little bit about both of those things of yeah. how, how
3: real the threat is but then
1: also uh, how did the military prepare you for this step
3: definitely as much as you can share you know tell the listeners you know help them understand how often and how much we are under attack
2: yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, so <clears throat> take Warner, we're what, in, in the top five in the industry for trucking. That means we're a huge target for adversaries to look at how can we impact the United States. And so if they take out any mem- any part of our logistics, they know it's, it's a, not necessarily a crippling move right off the bat, but it's going to hurt. All you have to do is look at the pipeline um, hack that happened, what, two years ago-ish. It shut down gasoline for the whole East Coast. That was a major impact. Our adversaries were looking at that. Now, granted, a lot of the, the actions that took place there weren't necessarily directly attributed to the hack, but it was a response to the hack. And so there's that's important, too, the element of the hack, but also the, our response to it and, and how we decide to take on you know the next challenge, right? So that is something the adversaries looked at. You look at the Ukraine conflict. One of the things they targeted was logistics. If they can't move stuff into the country to help defend them, you know, that we know that we can, we can stop some of this, right? And so the Russians were constantly going from after that. And so logistics is, is the, you know, the heart blood, so to speak, or the vein artery system of the United States. And if you can stop something from happening, you affect the economy, which then ripple affects everything else. It's, it's incredible. And so I don't have numbers of how many times we, you know, people try to infiltrate, but I guarantee you it's, it's a lot um, in our defenses in place to try and stop that and mitigate it. You mentioned phishing earlier; that's one of the that's one of the avenues. Um, humans are the weakest link in any kind of cybersecurity architecture. Thanks, Craig. Humans, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we can't. How help are you looking sense. at me? <laughs> we, social engineering is a real thing, and they understand this is this is something that I can I took my introduce. My remedial to, training. <laughs> this is something <laughs> I can introduce to somebody, and they're going to be tempted to click on it because a) that's natural, or b) they have such a strong interest in it, curiosity. You know, curiosity kills a cat, does humans too, right? You click it, you can't help it. It's one of those things, and, and so our adversaries are constantly looking for ways to get us to let them in. If they can't get in through our defenses, they look to us and say, hey, that's my avenue in, right? And, and so that's how serious it is. I mean, they're, they're, they're attacking the, the people part of that one because they, they know that's the weakest link. And so when I you know, transitioned the conversation here to how military per, perhaps prepared, prepared us for that, right? It doesn't really matter what aspect of the military we're always defending. That's our that's our problem-solving mantra, right? We got to defend. We got to figure out how to stop this from happening, right? And so, you know, through through the cyber part of my Air Force career, we were initially worried about availability, keeping this system online, ninety-nine point nine nine five nines. That was one of the things we always looked for in a vendor. And then it transitioned because it's okay. It's not just about the availability. We don't know if the is inside of here. Well we better start assuming the adversary is inside of here and what do we really need to protect? It's the data, you know? And then that moved into these mission defense teams, uh, concept in the Air Force that the Army didn't like at first, but I think they're on board now. And so these mission defense teams were solely focused on keeping mission systems protected. An individual server with all that data, data at rest, data in transit, all that, because we just assumed the adversary is in our networks. Regardless of what security level that network is, it's better just assume they're in there and protect the data. And so that was the problem that they posed to the cyber community, how do you protect this? And the mission defense teams was how they did that. Well then, that's a great idea and concept, but how do you actually make that happen? And so my, my last assignment before I got to here to Stratcom in uh, Omaha was as a, a squadron commander out at Mountain Home Air Force Base. And on my change of command day, the commander in the car on the way over to the officer's club, he says, what do you think about mission defense teams? And I just come out of San Antonio where there's – that's kind of like the center pulsary for cyber, right? And that's all we heard about was mission defense teams. I said, oh, I said I think I told him. I said, I drank the Kool-Aid. I said, I'm ready. I said, let's put a mission defense team together. He said, that's what I want to hear. And so that was the initiative. We saw this problem. Let's get this team, the team together. And so then you find the bright, brightest airmen and say, are you interested in doing something like this? We'll send you to a bunch of training, schools, whatever it happens to be. And we we made – mission defense, you know, warrior, so to speak. They had the skill set like you wouldn't believe. They could hack just as easily as they could defend, and that was the key. You had to find the people that wanted to hack for a hobby, mm. and then they come in they know how to defend now. And so we're presented with these problems. We like the problem, problem to solve. But more importantly, you got to learn how to lead people and encourage people inspire people go do this because it's a different way to think about things. And there were a lot of folks who were concerned that, wait a minute, my job doesn't align with cybersecurity. What is my job going to look like? I said, well, maybe your job doesn't align with it based on how you perceive your job. I said, but we can massage the job, and I can refocus you so that it looks like this, right? And so then you learn how to, you know, lead people. I think that's probably one of the biggest things with the military. It's not, not necessarily teaching how to lead people, but it certainly gives you a lab in which you can practice leadership skills and learn your lessons. Because you're always going to be learning how to lead people. It's just that never stops, right?
1: Never stops, and it never gets easier either. It's it doesn't. as soon as you figure no. one thing out, it's the next the no. next thing that pops up. Yeah. So, do you find that our focus here at Warner is equivalent to focus on cybersecurity? Obviously, completely different context, right? Mm-hmm. National security versus for-profit organization. Same level of focus, more focus, less focus. Thoughts on that?
2: I think same level of focus, uh, in a lot of cases, though, more capability. Okay. So some of the folks I've got on my team, the skill set that they bring, oh, it's quite impressive. And, uh, and they're dedicated to doing that, and they've been doing it for a long time. Um, we didn't necessarily have some of those exquisite skill sets you know, in, in the Air Force. We had to kind of build that. Because you, you think about it, a lot of the, the airmen come in right out of high school, and so they, they do get some uh, technology training in the Air Force but their focused ability to operate certain tools that takes a long time to develop and so you're looking at a you know a NCO, senior NCO before you get to that skill set and a lot of times unfortunately air force as soon as you get certified boom you're gone you're a contractor and you work for a company like Warner, you know <laughs> because that's where the money is you know outside but you still get to apply that same skill set so that's what I find here is that it's a skill set that's on the team it's like wow these guys are so good at what they do it's awesome awesome
1: all right andrew let's shift over to you a little bit so director and intermodal uh you want to talk about how your experience in the army really helps make you successful with uh, intermodal here um i mean intermodal is certainly uh, a, a must uh, in transportation these days right it almost everything touches a truck at some point but almost uh, well a heck of a lot touches rail uh, as well there's just so many different ways of getting things to different places um you want to talk about army experience and how that ties well with what you do today
0: sure so what i love most about my job is it's something new every day um we're always building new you know solution for the customer we've always got a new issue um you know socal today there's a hurricane how do we react where are our drivers when the next driver is going to be there how do we communicate to our customer everything stacks on top of each other and the biggest thing i took from me the military was like no is not an option there's no mission where you go out and you're like no nah, this isn't going to work let's just turn around and <laughs> i'm go not home. doing that today <laughs> right so you've got to figure out how do you how do you stack your assets you know are you calling in the air force and you know one mission we had a-10s stacked on f-16s with uh, a drone up there too like so you needed the air force's help again one time okay <laughs> one time <laughs> <It was crucial. laughs> we all need their help one time yeah. but you know how do you align all that to make sure that you're successful in the mission you know here's the customer Everyone gets through alive, you know, it's the same kind of intensity, but it has to be there. Otherwise we're not gonna stay in business. So
3: good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Guys, do you, you know, the popular thinking is that veterans bring, you know, unique skills and experiences, you know, individually, what do you think are some of the unique skills and experiences that you're bringing? I mean, you're both very new here to Warner and we're very appreciative that you're here. You know, talk to us a little bit about what those unique skills are and, you know, what ultimately you maybe like to accomplish here at Warner.
2: I'll start on that one. Uh, strategic um, thinking. That, that's probably the number one thing the military will allow you to grow in, force you to grow in, because you have to start thinking bigger than what your little pipe piece of the pie is. you got to think how that interacts with everything else you're doing. Um, so, you know, the tactical, strategic level, operations obviously in between, and we always do that, but it's those that can... Actually, strategically plan. Those are the ones that can make a difference in in how the you know the company rolls. So, I'd say that's the biggest benefit coming out of the military: is strategic thinking, critical thought, that kind of stuff.
0: Excellent. I say it's definitely stress management, right? You make a plan, throw away the plan. It's thinking on your feet, always being in a stressful environment. You know, how do you pivot that into a win
3: uh, every chance you get? Land goes out the door, the first shot fired. Combat yeah. arms guy.
1: Every time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Um, you're both new here, like Greg mentioned. Uh, What has stood out about our military efforts since you've been here, right? You've had a couple, uh, Andrew, you've had a couple years, Uh, Mike, you've had a couple months since you exited the service. Um, What stands out about what we do with the military that, or with our veterans that make us unique in this space, in your opinions?
2: We just had a barbecue not too long ago for the, the We Veterans group, right? And it was so fun to get around the table with different generations of military, and talk stories, and and that only been a, about a month and a half after I'd left, um, but I I was surprised by how much I'd missed sharing that common, you know, ground with somebody, and it's that that family organization that hey we're all part of a, a bigger group here, but we have that family feel, and then there's there's military members who we can we can share camaraderie, you know with the right. other other forces you know I mean I don't know heck, what you're talking about
1: even just at this table today oh i've uh, i've met you mike once or twice Andrew, i met you 15 minutes ago before we started r- recording this podcast and we've been poking fun at each other the entire time yep. and that's that's that sense of community i mm-hmm. think is important absolutely it, sometimes it's really fun to see how far it goes uh, <laughs> but it's it's just fun i i yeah. echo that i was sometimes you cross the line sometimes you don't. <laughs> <laughs> i was a little worried on that barbecue we shoot, I think we bought meat for 75 people, and I think we had 150-plus show up. So oh, by yeah. the end, Good I was planning, sweating it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> At least
3: I was in town. I mean, for the, arm, the, arm <laughs> 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 the Army guys could have told you that you know, you're going to need more than that, but, you know. Too funny. Hey, I, I, I just want to share that the very first, and you'll, you'll get a kick out of this, the very first radio system that I trained on was the prc 77
2: i don't remember the nat- that number <laughs> <laughs> i think i uh, i remember the 172 I,
1: I i was about to say the number i'm sticking out my head is 170 something yeah. And that's yeah
2: and, and i don't think we ever said prc but that's okay
1: did did they have internal combustion engine, engines back then or was it like horse, <laughs> and, horse and buggy horse and horse buggy, and buggy? okay all right That all must right. have had the crank on yeah. it too. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you just hope you look this good when you get to be this old
1: <laughs> Andrew what about you anything stick out with our efforts uh, I really think it's the visibility right
0: um, there's tractors that have you know Operation Freedom on it um, between the groups um, I think there was a TV show was it Bravo Yeah, the a couple of got Bravo recognized. Network
1: or whatever the Jaffe's video what was
3: that um, uh, company again
0: Military Makeover that's right so I mean, in just the four months I've been here, I mean that's a ton of visibility uh, that I really don't see in other companies.
3: Can you just briefly share? You know, what are your ultimate goals here at Warner? What do you want to do here at Warner? With your t- you know, this is your you know second period working you're, before you go in your third retirement. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you what do you, ultimately what do you want to do? What do you want to do here? Um, what's your end goal look like? And then Andrew, the same.
2: Yeah. So let's see. I can see myself uh 10 12 years here before i want to do that final retirement drive and truck
3: we will have your cdl <laughs> before then. that's
2: right drive a green truck for the neighborhood farmers I, you know i like that idea quite a bit actually um yeah the fact that we have a, a, a stable company it treats its employees really well these organizations that are within it to make us feel part of this family and you know, the commonality that we can, we can share. I can't see myself going anywhere else. So the goal would be, um, you know, as a cybersecurity director here, do all those things that we never got to see come to fruition in the military. <laughs> you know, Still with cybersecurity. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and you know, to be able to look back on that and said, yeah, that, that, that program is better because I was there and, and I had a great team around me that did this stuff. You know, that's my goal.
1: That's awesome. I've had more of those moments in my eight years here than I had in my 17 years in the Air Force. More of those moments where you get to reflect back on, I was a part of that, and I'm really proud to have been a part of that. There's a lot of that from my military time as well, but seeing stuff from start to finish, Mm -hmm. good ideas win here. There's not 15 reasons why good ideas can't happen, whether it's taxpayer dollars, or whether it's requires a vote of Congress, or whatever the excuse is, right? Pick your excuse, and you can hear it with those good ideas in the DOD here. The good idea wins if it if it makes business sense the good idea wins every time
3: um and And i I really love the speed at with which it happens as well i mean a good idea is great it gets brought forward we take action on that good idea eight out of ten times and then to get it to see it from infancy to the end stage is is so gratifying here versus you know time in the DoD.
0: Yeah, especially like the eighteen wheels. I was in one two weeks ago. I mean, just great ideas coming
1: forward, and yeah, it's really exciting. It's always fun to see those presentations. How much people sweat them, uh, <laughs> and then how much. I mean, it's a yeah. It, it's a fun thing to see ideas, and some of those ideas, a lot of those ideas, get rolled out uh, after those presentations happen. So,
3: so Andrew, maybe just you know quickly to pivot off the question just a little bit. You know, tell us you know what what are the short term goals for yourself or for the group. Know the group that you're leading, and then you know ultimately what are the long-term objectives that you're trying to hit. Sure. So Warner's got a very diverse portfolio, right?
0: Um, Dedicated's fantastic, truckload's fantastic, final mile, power only. Um, Intermodal-wise, we've got a a fairly small share of the market. Um, I'm excited that we're we're actually growing and expanding as this market turns. Um, You know, fuel prices look like they're going to start going up, maybe. Uh, when that happens train becomes a a lot more attractive so we can give our customers this whole portfolio and start moving them together right you know they move intermodal to a dc and then from the dc we're doing final mile you know, start bundling that kind of concept and you know moving over to the new tms is going to help with stuff like that um not only up from a planning side but just a a portfolio side uh so it's a really exciting time at warner um and so short term you know definitely grow that book of business for us um Long term, and it's the same goal. Um, you know, we, we compete against these other companies at a, at a very high level. Uh, I think we're just going to continue to
3: grow. Well, again, I, you know, both of you as being new associates to Warner, I want to welcome you both. Uh, you're part of a, a proud and you know historic company. Thank you for joining our team. We are glad to have you here. Uh, we look forward to the skill sets that you both bring, and we look forward to the outcomes that you're both trying to achieve. So welcome to the team. Thank you. Bye.
2: Thank you. Appreciate it. So
1: that should uh, wrap up our here, our, our vet voices podcast here for Warner Enterprises team.
0: Thanks so much for listening today. The brave men and women of the United States armed forces and our allies all over the world. We salute you. Make sure to buckle up and drive safe out there.